Sati, to listen to the Dhamma. Today we have a group of Dhamma practitioners come from many different countries, come from far away, like Singapore, Malaysia, many different countries people have come from to gather here. I arrived yesterday to gather and practice Dhamma here at Wat Mapchan for nine days. And today is what we call the Wan Pra, or the Holy Day. It's the end of the range retreat, end of the Vasa or Pansa. So the monastics undertake this rainy, rainy season retreat. They determine their minds to spend this 90 day period or three months ever since the 15th day of the eighth lunar month, which we know as Asalaha Puja three months ago. So on that, then the next day after Asalaha Puja, the first lunar day, they determined the Pansa, determined to spend the range retreat in one location. And today is the end of that range retreat. So we contemplate this in terms of Dhamma. So today is the end of the range retreat, what we call the exiting the Vasa. But we start the range retreat again together nine months from now. So we, that's entering the next Pansa. So it cycles like this, just like the day turns into night, one week into the next, one month into the next, one year to the next. So we enter the range retreat and we start the range retreat. But then when the range retreat ends, we can count until the next entering of the range retreat in another nine months. So it's the 15th day of the 11th lunar month today. And we enter the range retreat again on the 15th day of the eighth lunar month. So we contemplate this as Dhamma. So we're born and we see birth and we see that we're all traveling. We're all moving towards old age, sickness and death. They come together. Some great masters have said, or Venerable Ajahn Chah has said, we like birth, but do we like old age? Do we like sickness? Do we like death as well? Because they come together with birth. So we contemplate this as Dhamma. So we go back to the birth of the first noble Sangha of the Lord Buddha. When the Buddha taught on the 15th day of the eighth lunar month, known as Asalaha Puja, and this word asalaha means the eighth, eighth lunar month it refers to. So if we summarize it in brief, we say that the nature or everything that is of the nature to arise is of the nature to pass away. All materiality, all mentality, all rupa and nama. Rise and cease. Our minds, this mind arises and ceases. No one owns it. Its nature is just like this. But delusion says that it's self, that it's me, that it's mine. Venerable Anya Kondanya, he studied the Dhamma a lot and he had samadhi and this firm mental collectedness and his spiritual virtues, his parami were full. So he's able, he was able to contemplate and understand and see the Dhamma to see the Four Noble Truths. 
Because in this Dhamma Chakapawatana Sutta, the discourse on the turning of the wheel of Dhamma, we see that the teaching that clinging brings suffering. So we see arising and ceasing. This is walking the Noble Eightfold Path. This is walking the path of practice, the path to the ending of suffering. And we see that suffering arises, dukkha arises because of three types of craving. Craving for sensuality, craving for becoming, for being, and craving not to become, not to be. These are all causes of suffering. We also look at what the Lord Buddha taught Venerable Yasa. What did he teach him? He taught generosity, giving. He taught virtue, restraint of body and speech. And this virtue gives rise to happiness, gives rise to heaven. And this heaven arises firstly in the mind. If we think we have to die and then go to heaven, that's thinking too far ahead. If we give in the present, we feel happiness in the present. If we think to give, then our mind is wholesome and meritorious in that moment. Our mind is in the state of a deva, a heavenly being already. So if we think to give, our mind is a heavenly being already. Similarly, if we think to practice virtue, our mind is meritorious, our mind is a heavenly being already. So we give, we practice generosity, and virtue is a form of generosity. It's loving kindness and compassion. So this generosity and virtue, if we think to do it all the time, then our mind is in a meritorious state, a heavenly state, a deva state. But we can't be heedless because we still have wrong view, which is a cause for suffering to arise. We can't get lost in these moods or sense impressions. As the Buddha taught to train, to practice, to bring the mind to seclusion sometimes, to bring the mind to peace and samadhi sometimes. Because we may have virtue, but we're still lost in pleasures, lost in moods and sense impressions, lost in having fun or entertainment that which is without value or useless. So we train and practice and to undertake the eight precepts. When we do the eight precepts, we have more time to practice. We don't eat an evening meal. And so we have at least one more hour free because we don't have to cook. We don't have to seek out food. And that can take a lot of time. Also, if one eats a lot, then one gets a lot of sickness. So just eating two meals, the body and mind feel light. Meditation is more easy. We don't need to use a lot of energy to digest the food. Also, undertaking the eight precepts, we set our hearts to not decorate the body or put on adornments and scents, which can also waste a lot of time. We don't seek out uh, musical shows or entertainment. Then we get to know what is the mind that's restrained like? What is that like? We can reflect on the past six or seven days and see our experience of pleasure and pain 
why did that arise? Were we lost in moods and sense impressions too much? So we have at least one day in that period to do the eight precepts in a given week. And in one month, we have uh, four days to do the eight precepts. As we see, this can, this is like a, a theft. So the Buddha taught in a month that there's four days to undertake the practice of virtue. And we, but we can get lost sometimes. The mind gets diluted. And that mind that's lost, it's a thief of the holy day, or steals the holy day, steals the one pra, and takes it to be our day, not a holy day anymore. We see with the retreat group here during the eight precepts here at Wat Mapchan, coming here to do the eight precepts, and also having set our hearts on coming here for many months already, six months or so already, they set their hearts to come here because they had to prepare many things, like preparing travel plans, preparing time off of work in order to come here and practice in order to bring the mind to peace and collectedness. So we see that these eight precepts support us and give us more time to bring the mind to peace and collectedness, to samadhi. So we practice seclusion of body and seclusion of mind. And seclusion of mind means a mind that's peaceful and collected. And how do we make it secluded? because the mind thinks and proliferates all the time. So we use the meditation word, bhutto, dhammo, sangho, or itipiso, 108 times. So every day we practice to have mindfulness in the present moment. And if we listen to the Dhamma talk in Thai, we might not understand the Thai language. But we should understand that it's speaking on Dhamma it's all about generosity, virtue, and mental cultivation. Or we could also say sila, samadhi, panya, virtue, collectedness, and wisdom. If we gather it all together, it's all about materiality and mentality. They're impermanent, stressful, and not self. There's just this much. This is just teaching only this. So we practice to have restraint have continuity, cultivate the four foundations of mindfulness, mindfulness of the body, feeling tone, mind, and dhammas. We have the faith to strive and practice the dhamma, to have perseverance and effort, to be able to bring the mind to collectedness, to abandon unwholesome, demeritorious states. We see that the mind has ignorance uh, proliferating in it. And sometimes the mind proliferates about generosity, proliferates about virtue, proliferates about meditation. So this is also considered proliferation, but it's of a wholesome type. And when there's proliferation of an unwholesome type, then we know it. We don't like it, but we have to be careful with this disliking of the unwholesome proliferation because that's just craving not to be, not to have, not to become. We bow a tanha.
we don't want to experience it. But to experience the mind without any defilement at all, is that possible for us? Well, no, we can't experience that. It's not possible right now. I was like this myself in the beginning. I saw, I looked at my mind and said, well, what is my mind thinking right now? What's going on with the mind? I didn't want it to think like that, but I couldn't just stop it from happening. The mind was proliferating both in demeritorious and meritorious ways. The great masters have taught us to just discard this, just throw it away. This proliferation is normal. If we don't like it, then just don't eat it. Just throw it away, put it down, let it go. It's like the durian fruit with the hard peel. We don't eat the peel, we just eat the flesh. So if we think in a wholesome way, then you can act on that. Because having been born, we have to train in mindfulness. We have to train and teach the mind to have mindfulness and clear awareness, sati and sampajanya, whether at home or at work or at school. Students need to have mindfulness and clear awareness in their studies. So this is a normal level of mindfulness. The level of mindfulness needed to study in school or to do work, it's not able to cure the suffering in our hearts. It is enough to use in, in the world, in worldly activities, to have virtue, to do meritorious deeds. But we need a higher level, more refined level of mindfulness in order to cure the suffering in the mind. That means we have to practice the Dhamma to build up the mindfulness to be stronger. As Dhamma practitioners, we practice to speak little, to eat little, to awaken with effort, not to find fault with one another, but to cultivate the path, this noble eightfold path, and to have right effort. We see that the Buddha taught 84,000 Dhamma verses. They all gather together in materiality and mentality are not lasting, not permanent. Their materiality and mentality are impermanent suffering and not self. So seeing this wisdom arises. But presently we don't see this. We see the body as pleasure as permanent, as self. We don't see it as not self. We think that it's self. So we think in truth that it's self and we cling to it. That's the cause for suffering to arise. But we still use convention. So in terms of convention, we, we refer to it as self but the mind can be liberated. The mind can be understanding not self or seeing not self, the mind free and ramuti, but that mind still uses samuti, still uses convention. It's not that the mind that's liberated just says that, oh, there's, there's nothing uh, there, but the one still uses convention, uses the language of convention 
because in truth, things don't really have a name. But in terms of convention, we call things by names. In truth, there's no name. <clears throat> but we use the name, we use the convention of names, <clears throat> we use the language of convention. It's just like if we take a duck and we call it a chicken. For instance, if way back in the past, that which we know is a duck, people started calling a chicken, then in the present day, everyone would call ducks chickens and we, they would call chickens ducks because it switched in the past. And that would mean that a chicken would go quack quack and a duck would make the sound of a chicken. So this is a perception, we can understand this, that we call chickens, chickens, and ducks, ducks. And that's the convention that we use. But it's like that, it's just a convention. So if we understand this clearly, then wisdom arises, liberation arises. Just like Venerable Yasa, listening to the Dhamma. Having listened to the Dhamma, then he went to undertake the holy life because he saw the drawbacks in the cycle of birth and death, in the cycle of samsara. He saw that one must be cycling through and being born and dying, born and dying, born and dying. And the mind is born and dies right here today, right this hour, right this minute, right this second, and the next second as well. It cycles through birth and death cycles from a human with virtue and without virtue, then it goes lower than a human. And if one fixes that state, then it goes to be a human again. And if one does merit, then the mind is born into a deva state, a heavenly state. And if one meditates, meditates with bhutto, the mind gathers in samadhi, and the mind gets born as a higher level heavenly being. <clears throat> and if the mind becomes one-pointed and still, then the mind gets born on the level of a Brahma god. The four Brahma Viharas, loving-kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, equanimity. And then the mind can then contemplate materiality and mentality as impermanent suffering and not self. The experience of Dhamma arises rapture and happiness arise. We see that which we haven't seen before. We understand and see clearly. See that the Buddha taught all materiality and mentality is not self. And this is the mind that is holy, the mind that is exalted, the mind that is uh, pra in Thai. We also say Arya, a noble being. And so the state of being a noble one, being a holy one, comes through right practice. This is something that all of us can do, all minds, all jittas can achieve. So we have to train the mind well, and bring the mind to happiness. And we have to use patient endurance, this quality of kanti, 
we see that this quality of patient endurance is the supreme incinerator of defilement. So we have to patiently endure a lot. We have to burn the kiles as well, burn the defilement as well. If we don't patiently endure, then we won't be able to progress. So in the beginning we train, we have patient endurance, we have effort, we have restraint, composure, contentment, doing with little, speaking little. So may you all set your hearts on this. Today is the second day of the retreat, of the group retreat here at Wat Mapchan. So may you all be intent in the practice. May you all grow in blessings.